This is Victory House. Michael's Conference 2020. For your glory. Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. You know, when you... When, you know, in my family, we started as, as idol worshippers. My father was a prince. And so from the royal lineage, you are expected to pay obeisance and observe certain, a particular kind of life. Go to the shrine, go for festivals, be marked in various places at various times for various protection from Satan and from those who don't like you. And then along the line, my father became a Muslim. From being an idol worshiper, I became a Muslim for no reason. Evidently, later when I had the opportunity of asking him, why did you practice life? See, I want to practice all the religions. So it was because he was inquisitive. So, and then the Methodist preachers, you know, John Wesley, came to offer. And they were looking for an interpreter. And because my father <clears throat> happened to be someone who had traveled to England, uh, who studied in England in Oxford and Cambridge, where he read Diploma in Rural Science. <laughs> you can imagine someone living in Nigeria in those days. He didn't study law. He didn't study mechanical engineering. It was Diploma in Rural Science. I later asked him, I said, why did you, of all the things to study, why did you not study medicine then? He said, oh, yes. He said, but I wanted to be involved with the grassroots people. My desire was to be involved with them. And so my father became an interpreter for the Methodist preacher. And he was earning a lot of good money from being, doing interpretation. Because he was the only one who could hear their English, having studied in England. So one day they looked at him and said, ah, you are a Muslim and you are doing interpretation. And you have not been baptized. If you want to keep this job, you must be baptized. My father said, okay, let's change. So, you know, for the sake of the job, he changed. And so we became members of the Methodist church. And we'll go to prayer meeting in the morning and services, midweek service, weekend services, Sunday services, and so on. But one thing about Christianity, well, eventually we got saved. We God, we gave our life to Christ. One thing I discovered is that Christianity is a lifestyle. When they say Christianity, it means the way Christ lived, Christian living. The way Christ lived is not an observation of certain rules, certain do's and don'ts. That was what Judaism was about. If Judaism were perfect, there would have been no need for Christianity. And one thing that have amazed me, and I was speaking, I was talking to Pastor Emmanuel there, is that this outbreak of plague have given everybody an opportunity to practice Christianity or to let us see the kind of persons they are. I've just discovered and I'm disappointed. Many Christians don't know what Christianity is about, the life of Christ. 
I, I remember this afternoon, a man of God known as John G. Lake. He traveled to Africa during one plague that was called the Bubanic Plague. And in those days, when the plague comes on people, they will foam in the mouth. The last stages of death, they will foam in their mouth. And this man went among them and was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and was ministering to them with, you know, all kind of, you know, he was healing them and all of that. And so people heard about the fact that there was a man, a preacher of the gospel, who was preaching in the power. You see, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. The gospel is not just about talking. So people came from Europe with their various gadgets to look at this man who was walking among people that had the plague and was not affected in any way. And they put on all their, you know, all their protective garments. And, and this man, you know, he displayed such a, a rare ability that can only come from God. He will collect the phone with his physical hand from the mouth of those who are about dying. And they will put it under a microscope. And as they were watching the mic- through the microscope, whatever was causing that thing will die while they are in contact with his body. And that was how the man ministered among them and nothing happened to him. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in us, <laughs> then that same spirit you know, we are either saved or we are not. Having a form of godliness is what I've discovered many people have. A form of it. But the real power we deny it. We believe so much that the devil has become more powerful than God. Because he comes to steal and kill and destroy the power behind diseases. And so with whatever is happening, we believe more in the ability of that thing. Overcoming the power of God in us. And it, it shows the weakness of the faith. The Bible says in Jude 3, contend earnestly for the faith that was one delivered to the saints. I don't think this was the faith that the Lord had said. Today what we have is a showmanship. But Christianity in practicing it, this is how you practice it. When darkness is there, then light shines. He said, arise and shine for your likeness, and for your light has come, the glory of God is risen. He said, darkness will cover the whole earth, and gross darkness the people. He said, but you will arise, and you will shine. I want us to be confident in the God we are serving. I want you to be full of confession, and to never even imagine it that any weapon fashion against you can prosper. That is what Christianity is about. A whole lot of G3 people. I saw someone today from Africa who said, I have bought a pile of face masks. Not knowing that the face mask is for people who are sick. I said, then you must have it. With this preparation you have made, you need to have it so that you can have a use for it. Because how can you acquire what you will not use? He said, I have bought hand sanitizer, toilet, throw everything. I said, ah, ah. You are prepared for this disease. Oh. I said, in the way you are looking at it, it's going to come and visit you. You say, I oh, know. But you are preparing. When you are ready for a visitor, what do you do? You prepare. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we should prepare to live in health. Because the Spirit of God that raised up Christ from the dead dwelleth in us. And that same Spirit will quicken our mortal flesh. Please be encouraged, okay? Dr. K has already given nine, more, nine points. I don't know how many points I'm going to give you. But well, you take them home and feed on them. We just brought some books out. And I want to recommend them to you. We had to make sure that we printed it for this program. I mean, Pastor Emmanuel went to great extent, together with dear wife and the publisher, Pastor Tokwe, to make sure that these books are out. This one titled How to Recognize God's Voice. I think this is what you need. How do I recognize? How do I differentiate? There are many voices, but they are not the same. This one says guidelines for making wise decisions. How can I make a wise decision? You may be able to make a quick decision, but is it a wise decision? How do you test the decisions you make before you settle for them? That's what this book covers. Small book. And then this one is priceless as far as I'm concerned. It said the importance of receiving counsel in making decisions. You see, many, many times we depend on what we have heard. Let me say this to you. If what you have heard is from God, God will say the same thing to someone else so that when you go to them to seek for counsel, they will confirm what you have heard. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we need counsel. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters. A man of understanding knows how to draw it. This book says importance of receiving counsel in making decisions. You may be wise when it comes to economic decisions, but when it comes to spiritual decisions, you may not have enough wisdom. At times, when you ask God to give you wisdom, he doesn't just give it to you because you will not be able to handle it. He gives it to somebody that you seek for counsel, and the person will give you God's wisdom in the counsel he gives you. Counsel is very important. It stabilizes you. It makes you more confident, and it makes whatever you believe you have received more founded and more dependable. Importance of receiving counsel. Those three books, and then on your way out, there are other books there. Take advantage. I know you are not black people. Because the white man says if you want to hide something from a black man, you put it in a book. He will never read. The black man believes on, in being on the phone than in reading. I know you are not black. You are coconut. So by the grace of God, I have an important message that I want to share with us tonight. And I want this thing to enter into your heart and for you to receive it and begin to live by it. You see, whatever word you receive is part of your equipment for the lifestyle God wants you to live. Man shall not live by bread, but by every word. So God is using this to add to whatever you already have so that you can live a life for his glory. John's Gospel, chapter 15. Ask your neighbor how many chapters are in the book of St. John. 
Tell him, tell him, tell him of her. How many chapters? How many chapters? Okay. Did he get it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading from verse 1 to 8, and I will zero in on verse 8. I am, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I am 18 times in the book of John. I am, and this is one of the I ams. I am the true vine, and my father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, I take it away. He take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now verse 8. And this is something I wanted to hold you very close to your heart. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So by the grace of God tonight, I'll be speaking on the subject, living for his glory. How can I live for God's glory? In what way and manner can I go about my life that will bring glory and honor to the God we serve? Let us pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your written, holy, majestic word. Your words were found and we did eat them. And your words were a joy and a rejoicing of our hearts. For we are called by your name. Order our steps in your word. And let no iniquity have dominion over us. Teach our hands to one our fingers to fight. Help us to see things that are important. That we need to inculcate. And help us to feed on your word continually. To produce the kind of a lifestyle. That you so desire for us. Let it be at the end of the day that the time we spend in your presence have been well spent to the glory and honor of your name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Living for your glory. If every one of us were asked to give one statement about what you believe the attitude of God is towards you, a common response will be that we will say God loves us. And that is right. 
That is what the scripture says. And that is what God has towards us. First John chapter 3 verse 1 says, We have known and we have believed in the love that God has for us. So, God loves us. John 13 1 said, Haven't loved his own that are in the world. He loved them to the end. So you can see that God loves us. Jeremiah 31 3 says, He has loved us with an everlasting love. Ephesians 2 4 tells us that the love of God for us is so great. Romans 5 8 says, God proved his love towards us, and the one who has seen us, Christ died for us. So without any doubt, one thing that is obvious is that he loves us. And one of the things that you should walk in consciously is in the knowledge of the fact that he loves you. And the love of God does not depend on you doing the right thing. Because while we are yet enemies, Christ died for us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has this than no man that a man should lay down his life for his friends. When he laid down his life for us, who are enemies. And so there is nothing you can do today that can make God stop loving you. In fact, the word of God tells us in John 17, 23, that the love that God has for us is the same as the love that God has for Jesus Christ. So God loves us. And I know that is something that you and I can echo. It's a sentiment you and I can echo. And you should walk in the consciousness of it. And let me tell you why you need to walk in the consciousness of it. Let me give you some reasons why you need to be conscious of that fact. Number one, so that you can appreciate God. You can appreciate God. There's nobody who have loved you in season and out of season. There used to be some people who loved you when you did the right thing. But when you did the wrong thing, they fell out with you. But that is not God. He said, my love is everlasting. The Bible said in Psalm 47 verse 4, He said, he will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob whom he loved. It is not what you do that makes him love you. So when you know, there is a scripture that I know growing up as a young Christian was such a blessing to me. First John 4, 16. He said, we have known and we have come to believe in the love that God has for us. We know it and we have come to believe in the love that God has for us. For God is love. So I know and I've come to believe in the love of God. When you know he loves you, number one, it will help you to appreciate him. Number two, when you know that God loves you, it helps you to contradict all of the devil's lies. When we fail or we falter or we make mistakes, the devil tells you you are finished. But no. Proverbs 10, 12 says, love covereth a multitude of sins. So when you walk in the consciousness of the fact that God loves you, even when you make mistakes, you can stand up. Because Proverbs 4, 24, 16 says, seven times a righteous man will fall and he will rise again. So rejoice not my enemy over me. When I fall, I shall rise again. 
So when you know and believe in the love that God has for you, it does not only help you to appreciate him, but it also helps you to contradict the devil's lies. Because the devil will tell you a lie. God is true with you. You got pregnant out of wedlock. God is true with you. You failed him. You lied. You are dishonest. God is true with you and that's why you are sick. But you see, when you know and believe in the love God has for you, it helps you contradict the devil's lies. Number three, when you know and believe in the love that God has for you and you walk in that consciousness, it also helps you to build an expectation. You know when you know someone loves you, you have an expectation from that person that he is going to give you, that is going to bless you, that is going to promote you, that is going to project you, that is going to protect you. So when you know that God loves you, you know he's going to, it, it, it helps you build expectations. Your expectation become high because you know you love, he loves you. When you meet someone who loves you, you have expectation that good things will come from them to you. The word of God said in Psalm 119 verse 68, only good is God to Israel. I mean, 119 verse 68, he said that was good and doeth good. But Psalm 73 verse 1 says only good is God to Israel. And to all that have a pure heart. And Psalm 145 verse 9 says, the Lord is good to all. And his gender master over all his own. So when you know that God loves you, what does he do again? It helps your expectation. Number four, when you know that God loves you, another thing it helps you to do is, it helps you to encourage other people with it. He tell them he loves you, just like he loves me. With all my imperfections and weaknesses, God did not wait for me and you to be perfect before he loved us. He loves us. There is another way I come that says, monkey no fine, but in mama love him. Monkey, he no fine, but in mama love him. As imperfect and weak as you are, with all your baggages, God loves you. And so you can tell people like that too. I tell people, if God can love me, he can love you too. You are not as bad as me. You haven't been into places that I've been. You haven't done the kind of things that I've done. And so in that way, you can use that knowledge to encourage other people too. And then number five, when you walk in the consciousness of the fact that God loves you, it has a way in which, at least by the grace of God, help you to cooperate with him. You know when you know somebody loves you, you are willing to cooperate with him so that he can manifest this love. Now, having said that, let me move on by saying this. Because God loves us, he has some body in his heart for us. There are about seven of them, but I'm not going to give you any seven of it. He has a burden in his heart for each and every one of us. And one of the burden of God's heart for us, because he loves us, is that he wants us to have a life and living that brings glory to his name. Because he loves us. He has a body. 
that he wants you and I to live a life not that will bring aspersion to his name, not that will bring insult to his name, but he has a desire and a body for you by your life and living to bring holy glory and honor to his name. And you can see in the scripture we read here in verse 8, he said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. I will explain that in the next few minutes. Just listen to me. I'm talking about living for his glory. There are many things you and I are compared to in the Bible. We are compared to soldiers. You see that in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It calls us soldiers. We are compared to sheep. You see that in Psalm 74 verse 1. You see that in several places where we are called sheep. Sheep. Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd. Because we are sheep. We are compared to ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors in bonds. An ambassador is someone who represents his country in another country. We belong to heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are on the earth as ambassadors. The Bible says, Jesus speaking in John 17, 14, John 17, 16, he said, I am not of this world, even as you are not of this world. So you are now as ambassadors. But there is something God's word compares us to. And that is, he compares us to trees. He compares us to trees. In John 15 that we read, Jesus said, I am a true vine. A vine is a tree. He said, my father is the husbandman. The word husbandman is an archaic, aglo-saxon word that defines and describes a farmer or someone who takes care of plants and trees. A gardener. So you can see even Jesus is a tree. If Ephesians 5.30 says, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, if he calls himself vine, then you and I are also trees. The Bible says it again that you are trees. Psalm 1, if you read from verse 1 to 3, verse 3 says, he shall be like a tree. Who shall be like a tree? Chapter 1, verse 1 says, blessed is the man. So is the man he's talking about. Then he said in verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that bringeth out his food in the season and his leaves does not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So we are compared to trees. In Psalm 52 verse 8, we are compared to olive trees. In Psalm 128 verse 3, our wives are compared to vine and our children to olive plants. Trees, trees, trees. Psalm 104 verse 16 says, The tree of the Lord is full of sap. So you and I are trees. Isaiah 61 3 says, To appoint unto them the morning Zion, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that it may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Father, that he may be glorified. So you and I are trees. 
We are trees. We are not just sheep. We are not just soldiers. We are not just ambassadors. But we are trees. Now the big question now is, which part of the tree are we? Are we the root? No. Are we the stem? No. Are we the leaves? No. What part of the tree are we? We are branches. That is what the Bible tells us. In John 15, verse 2, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, you see the word branch, branch, every branch in me, every branch in me, every branch in me. You see, in the Bible, you will not see, in Christ, you will not see Christians, but you see this word in him at least 164 times. And what that word in me simply means is branches. We are branches. He is the vine. We are the branches. Every part of a tree has its own role. The stem, the root, the leaves, the branches. What actually is the responsibility of the branches? The responsibility of the branches is that the branches are the part of the tree that carries fruit. You know, this scripture that Jesus was talking about here in verse 8, is that here it is my father glorified. We are talking about living a life for his glory. How do we now live that life for his glory? Here is my father glorified. So as branches of the tree, of what importance are we? We are supposed to carry the fruit. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, it said the root, the root of the righteous shall flourish with fruit. So you and I as branches are supposed to be fruitful. When we say you are a fruitful Christian, it means that you are producing fruit. But what does the word fruit mean? What does the word fruit mean? The word fruit in Greek is the word kapos. K-A-R-P-O-S. And what does it mean? Listen, it means that which is visible, that which is vivid, an expression of the power that is working within, inwardly and invisibly. So fruit can be said to be the outproduct or the product of a power that is working inside. If you see a mango tree, you see mangoes on it. The mango is a fruit. That fruit of the tree is a product of the life that is working inside the tree. If the life that is working inside the tree is working well, then the branches produce fruit. So you and I are expected to be fruitful. God wants us to live a fruitful life. Which means he wants us to have evidences in our lives to show that his power is working inside. Before now, we were fruitful because the power that was working in us was also producing. But we are for if any man be in Christ, a new creature. All things pass away and behold, all things become new. So the fruit of the righteous is, are those expressions in the righteous person's life that are true reflections 
of the power that worked in us. So there is a power working in us. Philippians 1, 6 talks about it. He said, I'm confident of the very thing that he who has begun a good work in you. So a fruitful Christian is a Christian that when you see him, you see evidences in his life that God is at work. God is at work. You see evidence in his spiritual life, evidence in his emotional life, evidence in his physical life, evidence in his mental life, evidence in his relationship, evidence in his vocation, evidence in his, in his finances that there is a power that is working inside that person. Now, the word fruit in Latin, you know, Latin is the language of the Roman Catholic Church. It used to be the language of the Roman Catholic Empire, the Roman Empire. And even Western Europe in the Middle Ages, today it's the language that is spoken in Italy, Latin. That's their main language. And the word translated fruit by Latin is the word frui. F-R-U-I. And what does the word free mean? The word free means to enjoy. And it means so many things in the Latin language. It means what comes out of our life as a result of what we are enjoying. You enjoy the grace of God. You enjoy the mercy of God. You enjoy the power of God. You enjoy the presence of God. And so, as a result of what you are enjoying, what comes out of your life, that vivid product expression, is what is called fruit. But the word free has more meaning. It means again. It means that which comes out of our life that God enjoys. It has another meaning again. It means that we comes out of our lives that people around us enjoy. That is what fruit is on the tree. Fruit of a tree are the things that come out of that tree that other people enjoy. They are the things that come out of that tree as a result of the life that is inside that tree. And it means fruit. So it's important for you and I to know God expects us to be fruitful. He demands that we be fruitful. He designed us to be fruitful. And he has commanded us to be fruitful. When he met man, what did he tell man? When he met man, remember, Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image, out of our likeness. Let him have dominion. And in verse 28, he blessed man and said, be fruitful. In other words, let there be evidence in your life of my divine presence inside you. He said it several times. He said it in Genesis 1.22, Genesis 1.28, Genesis 9.1, Genesis 35.11. He kept saying, be fruitful, be fruitful, be fruitful. Because he expects us to be fruitful. He expects us to have something to show. For the life that is inside us. For the investment that God has put inside us. 
Let me ask you. Show me your fruit. Show me your fruit. We need evidence. If you are a Christian, there must be evidence. People should be able to see that there is a life. That is, I don't need to convince people about my Christianity. But if you practice churchianity instead of Christianity, there will be no fruit. Many people don't have fruit to show. They go to church more regularly than the Bible, but the power that's supposed to be functioning in them is not functioning well. Yet, God is looking for fruit. Listen, one of the most heartbreaking things to God is to look for fruit and not see one. Remember what Jesus did? In Mark eleven thirteen, he caused that victory. No man eats fruit on me because he has already given us power to be fruitful. By what? What he has invested in our lives. There is nothing that glorifies God than fruit. I want you to listen to me today. Nothing glorifies God than fruit. Christianity is not Christianity without fruit. That is why the scripture says, by their fruit, we shall know them. And I need to tell people I'm a Christian. If you're a Christian, that light will shine before men in such a way that it's an incontrovertible fact. I don't need to prove it. It's vivid. Fruit is, means the vivid expression in our lives as a result of the power that is working inside us. And that is what brings glory to God. When Jesus Christ was here, he proved he was Jesus by the fruits they saw. The Bible says in Matthew 9.8, they glorified God who had given such power to man. Matthew 15.31, they glorify God. So what is it about life if there is no fruit? What is it about life? I'm speaking on the subject, living for his glory. The way to live for his glory is to have expression in our lives that show that the life of God is working well inside us. That life is working in you, both to will and do. If the life inside a tree is working well, how do you know? Fruit. Fruit. I don't need to cut down the whole tree to know what is wrong. The power in it is not working well. That is why you can't see fruit there. People come to church. But the practice of the Christian life is not producing fruit. I want to tell you six different kind of fruits that God wants to see in your life. Year in, year out. Six different kind of fruits. Number one, he wants to see new fruit. There is no tree that year in, year out does not bring forth new fruit. Revelation 21, 5, he said, behold, I make all things new. Isaiah 48, 6, he said, behold, I show you new things. Isaiah 42, 9, he said, behold, the former things have come to pass. New things do I declare. You need to have 
new fruits. Stop talking about the old fruit. Isaiah 43, 18. Remember not things of old, because that the things that are past. Behold, I do a new thing. New fruit. Let us have something new. Let us see new fruit in your life this year. A fruit of coming early to church. A fruit of paying your tithe. A fruit of service. A fruit of praising God. A fruit of diligence. Let us see new fruit. Number two kind of fruit that God wants to see in our lives. I call it good fruit. Good. Good fruit. When God made man and made all those things, you will discover whenever he makes something, he will say, and he saw it was good. The fruit that Eve gave to, his, to her husband, Adam, in the garden, Genesis 3, 6 says, it was good fruit. When the people went to look at the land, the land of promise, and they came back, Numbers 13, 27 says, the fruit they found in the land, we are good fruit. God wants good fruit. Not the fruit of anger, hatred, malice, hypocrisy, dishonesty, but good fruit. The fruit that shows God's power. God's power is a good power. And when it produces, how many of you have seen fruit from some trees that are not good? I mean, there used to be this big mango tree near my house, growing up as a young person. The mango tree will be full of fruits, but whenever you pluck it down and eat it, it smells like kerosene. How many of you remember that? Kerosene mango. There are some trees like that. The kind of fruit that comes out of them are not good. But God says the kind of fruit I'm looking for, good fruit. So let us see good fruit. Things that we can look at and say, that's good. Not things that we'll be angry about. This year, bring forth not just new fruit, but good fruit. People can bring forth new fruit and it's bad fruit. Let there be a different thing coming out of you because God's power is working now that will tell us that the power in you is a good power. The Holy Spirit is a good power. And it produces after its kind. So the second characteristics of the kind of fruit God wants to see in our lives are what? Good fruit. Number three characteristics. The kind of fruit that God wants in our lives, variety of fruit. Variety. We don't just want to hear testimony of spiritual fruits that you are, you are, you are producing. Hey, I prayed. I fasted. Let us look at Relationship fruit. I'm a better wife. I'm a better husband. I'm a better nurse. I'm a, I'm a better friend. I'm a better, uh, I'm a better church member. Relationship fruit. Bring forth variety of fruit. In the Bible, when you look at the word fruit, there are so many things. You hear fruit of the lips, fruit of the body, fruit of life, fruit of the ground, fruit of kind, fruit of cattle. So many fruits. Galatians 5, 22, 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit that there are nine of them. So we need variety. Whenever I go to a church, I don't always want to hear, hey, when the pastor preached, hey, the anointing fell on me, and I fell down. 
You need to talk about the money you have made in addition. We want financial fruit. We will not eat falling down. So we need fruit, variety of fruits. Some ministries, when I go there, the kind of ministries, the same testimony, same testimony, monolithic testimony, monolithic fruit. Every time eh, when they declare 40 days fast, I fasted. Keep quiet. When they said they needed a thousand or a million, I put it down. I want to hear that too. I gave back to twins. Yes. I was able to start a company. Yes. Those are other fruits. We need new fruit, good fruit, and then what? Variety of fruit. Then number four, we need timely fruit. Timely fruit. Bring forth your fruit in your season. Some of you, it is your season to be married, but you have refused to get married. It's your season to have a baby, but you have not been able to have a baby. It's your season to be able to stand alone, but you have not stood alone. We need timely fruit. It says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that bringeth forth his fruit when? In a season. To everything, there is a time. There is nothing as good as something that happens in the time in which it's supposed to happen. Be known as a church where people bring forth timely fruit. Timely fruit. You finish from school, you work for a few years, you have a spouse, a boy, or you have a girl, you get married, you have a children. You... Now, that does a timely fruit. Buy a house when you are supposed to have bought a house. Change a house when you are supposed to have changed a house. This building is a timely fruit. How many years is the ministry, the church? Five years, you see? Five years, look at the fruit. Some people have been in the United States for donkey years. And there's no fruit. Even the house they are living in is not theirs. The car they are riding is not theirs. Even many of the clothes they are wearing is not theirs. That's not timely. To everything there's a time. And everything is beautiful in its time. Psalm 102 verse 13. Thou shall arise and have favor upon Zion for the time to favor her. There is a time to sow and a time to pluck up that which was sold. If nobody have told you there are some things that their time have passed as far as you are concerned. Uh -uh. After many years we will still be following you up. What will we stop following you up? One of our members came to me after being in the church for almost 20 years. He said, Daddy, I said, hey. he said, I'm not happy. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I've not been in church for six weeks. I said, come, 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 get that one. After 20 years of being in church. That's not a timely fruit. The feeding bottle we gave to you years ago, you have relieved the relinquishes. So we don't have new ones to give to people. You that should be visiting people, you are the one we are visiting. You that should be laying hands on people, we are still laying hands on you. There are some people in our church, they know when I say, if you are sick, come out, they don't come out again. The way I will look at you. 
because there are some things, the time has come. Where I come from, they say when a boy is old enough to have a hoe, you get him a hoe. When he's old enough to have a cutlass, you get him a cutlass. Many of us don't want to have a 41-year-old son in our house still eating from your pot. Come on! I went to one house one day and there was this man full of beards. 42 years old. He was sitting with a big bag. I kicked him and the ball out of the place. Why? No timely fruit. That was why Jesus caused that fig tree. He said, this fig tree, listen, in Bible days, whenever a fig tree has leaf, it must have fruit. But you know, some fig trees, instead of having, instead of having fruit, they will just be having leaves, 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 leaves. And that's why some sisters in the church is leaves, 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 and slay. You are slaying. They slay. Every time they slay. Now go and get married. Don't slay anybody here. We are tired of being slayed. You need to use the time you have now for the best things. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. You are still slaying. At what age? 37. Why will you stop slaying? They know me. I don't, I, don't, I don't suffer fools gladly. To everything there is a time. So God wants us to have new fruit. Okay. Good fruit. Okay. Variety of fruit. Okay. Timely fruit. Then number five. He wants us to have abiding fruits. Fruits that last. Marriages that last. Jobs that last. Commitment that last. Not that you pay your time January, February, March, April, you disappear. You show up here in October. Abiding. John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have told you that you go forth and bring forth and that your fruit may what? Abide. Abiding fruit. Lasting fruit. One of the things we are compared to is we are compared to palm trees and cedars. And one thing about palm trees and cedars is that though they take some time before they begin to have fruit, but once they begin to have fruit, they go on having fruit for a hundred years. Don't let your commitment be a flash in the palm. When you make a commitment, stay with it. Let this church be known as a church where people have what? Abiding fruit. When you have friends, have friends for a long time. Some people cannot make friends. You keep changing friends like you are changing toilet room. Fresh, solid friendship. I've been friends with so many people for over 40 years. 30 years. 35 years. There are churches I've been going in the last 25 years. Every year. That is an indication of your stability. Anybody who does not have stable relationship is not a stable person. It's not dependable. It's not reliable. That's what God wanted to be. To bring forth what? Abiding fruit. Do you know that many people who give their life to Christ through many crusades, they, most of them don't stay saved until the end of their life. It has been said that Billy Graham is the only person who led people to Christ that stayed being Christians until the day they die. It's been computed that 55% of his converts remained Christians until they die. 
That's abiding fruit. You can have fruit, but they may not abide. That is one of the most painful things for a woman is to have miscarriage. It has psychological effect on a woman who has a miscarrying womb because their fruit don't abide. Or who give back to children that die. When I saw Shukbo, I said, Shukbo, where did you get the two marks on your face? Are you one of those people that keep dying and coming back and dying and coming back? So they put a mark on you. So when they see you, they say, huh? you have come back again. So how many of you can remember the five fruits now? Number one, new fruit. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Now the six kind of fruit is what I want to speak about briefly. The sixth kind of fruit God wanted to have is much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. Much means in quantity and in size. Don't always have 30 fold fruit, 60 fold fruit. Have a hundredfold. A hundredfold does not mean a hundred percent. A hundredfold means the highest, the greatest, the deepest, the largest. Have the kind of fruit that is the biggest. God wants us to have much fruit. And I will show you this. In the scripture we read, I want you to see how there is a progression. From verse 2. Okay, verse 2. It says, every branch in me, that is who you are, you are a branch, that bringeth not fruit. So, it says, you could start with no fruit. He take it away. And every branch that bringeth forth fruit, which means you bring forth fruit now, he purge it, that it may bring forth what? More fruit. But keep reading. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of its own, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. From no fruit to fruit, from fruit to more fruit, from more fruit to what? much fruit. Now which one glorifies God? Look at it again. Look at verse 8 now. Look at verse 8 now. You see which one glorifies God. It's not just having fruit that glorifies God. Not just having good fruit. Not just having a variety of fruit. Not just having abiding fruit. The one that glorifies God is described in verse 8. The one that brings glory and honor to God is not just fruit. I'm talking about living a life for his glory. But look at it in verse 8. He and in his my father glorified that you bring forth what? Much fruit. He said this is what brings glory to God. Not just that we'll see a little droplet of God's presence through your life, but we see big one. If God is big, his manifestation to you must be what? Your offering must be big. Your commitment must be big. Your loyalty must be big. Your relationship must be big relationship. 
Hearing is my father glorified. If you want to live a life that will glorify God, you bring forth much fruit. When Jesus came here, he had much. The multitude followed him. Jesus was not a person of few membership. You as a person in this church must be able to talk, point to many people that you brought to Christ. You must have much fruit. Much fruit. As a businessman, you must be able to point out people that you influence and challenge and provoke to have much money. You must lay up gold as dust. Hearing is my father glorified. You see, because Christians, we are satisfied at times with massive droplets. Yes, little I'm trying. That's not the purpose for the grace of God. John 1 16 said, Upon his fullness have we all received grace for grace. Second Corinthians 9 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you have sufficiency in all things. You will be able to abound unto every good work of his fullness. Fullness. God is a God of much. Much. We don't just want people who are going to be a little above the poverty line. No. Don't shut down the kind of people we want. We want people who scatter. There is he that scattered it and yet increases. We want people who are going to be at the very top of their game in their industry. We want big players. Victory House is not for small players. It's for big players. People with much fruit. People with great capacity. People with great output. People who at the end of the year when they are declaring their tax is gigantic, enormous and colossal. That's the kind of life that glorifies God. It's not just being a fruitful life. Oh, being a fruitful life is better than being barren. But we want people with big quivers. People with big capacity. If you see the car that pastor carries me in, a suburban. If you want to pack the whole of your family, you say, here we go. I come from England where everybody's car has to be small so that you can get a place to park. There is an island mentality in their thinking. But you need something big. When you want to buy a house, buy a big house. You want to start a company? Start a big company. Whatever you want to go into, big, do it big. Do it in such a way that it will show that you depend on God for its maintenance. So many years ago when I had the opportunity of visiting a robot in Ora Robot University, there was a small plaque on his table that says, make no small plans here. If you're a member of this church, don't make small plans. Small plans have no capacity to steer the heart of men. We need much fruit. We need much fruit. We need Isaiah 27, 6 says, we need to fill the face of the earth with fruit. We want to fill this place with fruit. So here is my father glorified. My father is not glorified with massive droplets. My father is glorified with much fruit. He is my father glorified that you bring. He said, then 
shall you be my what? Disciple. He didn't say then shall you be my convert. Disciple means you will now be followers of me. John 8, 12. It says, for as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness at all. He shall have the light of life. God is a big God. He's a massive God. He calls himself almighty. El Shaddai. The God that is more than enough. With God, it's always... I will pour out with God. There is no room to enough to connect the blessing. With God, the boats are always sinking with abundance. With God, the cops are running over. His name is El Shaddai. If El Shaddai is at work in you, it will, it will not produce small plans. So what, what plan do you have? <laughs> it's a very small plan. I mean, my pastors know this, that whenever you want to build, you don't build for time, you build for eternity. You build for generations yet unborn. You strike it hard and deep. Look at your neighbor and say, go for it. Someone needs to tell their husband, go for it. That's why we glorify God. That's why we glorify God. That's why we show that the power of God is working well inside you. Look at that. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much. You can start from no fruit. Every one of us started from somewhere. Then to fruit. Then to more fruit. Then to much fruit. Now, how much said this? Let me tie this message up in a way that I want you to understand what I'm saying. What is it that makes people go from one level of fruit? To another level of fruit, to another level of fruit, to another level of fruit. If you want to go from fruit to fruit to from no fruit to fruit, from fruit to more fruit, from more fruit to much fruit, and then from much fruit to much more fruit, there are two things that you are going to make yourself available for. Jesus said, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman. Look at that. Then he says, every branch in me that bringeth not fruit, he take away. And every branch that bringeth not fruit, he purges it. For you to go from fruit, from no fruit, to fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit, to much more fruit, there are some things about your life that you need to cut off and some things about your life you need to cut back. Cut off and what? Cut back. The reason why you are where you are today is because you have not subjected yourself to the pruning of the shears of, 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 of the husbandman. He said, my father is the husbandman. Our husbandman is someone who is responsible for feeding plants to be fruitful, but also for dressing plants to be fruitful. You feed them to be fruitful, but you also dress them. You also prune them to be more fruitful. So every branch cut off. There are some branches that you need to cut off. 
And there are some branches you need to prune. You need to purge. Second Timothy 2.21 If a man shall purge himself of these things. There are some things that you need to cut off from your life. If you are going to be more fruitful. If you are going to be much fruitful. Some things you need to cut off completely. And some things you need to cut back on. If you are going to move from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. I'm going to give you six things. That you are going to have to cut off. And some of them you are going to cut back on. Look at your neighbor and say, cut off some things and cut back on some things. Even as a church, there are some things we are going to cut off. There are some things churches do that are not part of worship service. They are not adding anything to the kingdom. And such things, you need to, you see, every year, every reasonable church that wants to grow to bring forth much fruit, must cut off some things and cut back on some things. Many times, some churches don't. And that is why they continue in the state and in the stage and stage where they are without much fruit. But hearing is my father glorified. He didn't say hearing is me glorified. My father will get the glory. So for my father to get the glory, my father will have to do a work in you. I'm confident of this very thing that he was begun a walk in you. Hebrews 13, 21, he said, walking in you. Many of us cannot produce much fruit until God walks in us and walk on us. God can walk through you better than he's already doing because he has not been able to walk on you as he wants to. Before he can walk through you and you can walk for him and he, he can, you, he, you can walk on his behalf. He needs to walk in you and walk on you. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. That is cut off and cut back. Some things need to be cut off and then some things need to be cut back. I want it to do like this. Uh -huh. You are going to make yourself available for that cutting. You see when the cutting is going on Bleeding is, is, okay, is, is evident. How many of you have seen those people who cut flowers? Who prune them? You see when you prune them, prune them, you see the flowers bleeding, isn't it? But go and look at the same flower. Three months, you see that it has brought forth luxuriantly. You see the beauty of the new foliage to replace the old ugly looking foliage. That pruning is very necessary. We all need the pruning. I know the pruning of God. I know when he cut some things off. And I know when he cut some things back from me. So in the next few minutes. Let me run through it. What are these six things? Number one. You need to cut off some things. And cut back on some things. That have served their purpose. Some jobs have served their purpose. You need to cut it off. Some relationships have served their purpose. You need to cut it off. Because a relationship was good for you in the past does not mean it is profitable in the future. You need to operate in the gift of goodbye. There are some of you, the only chair you have for the next person in your life to sit on, somebody in your past is sitting on it. 
And the person sitting on it has no wisdom to help you to the next level. So there are some relationships you are going to have to cut off and there are some relationships you are going to have to cut back. Over the years, I have done this myself. And it has made me a much fruitful Christian. A much fruitful minister. A much fruitful father. The children of Israel, from Exodus 16, verse 4, they started eating manna that fell from heaven. And for 40 years, manna was falling until Joshua 5.12. The Bible said that it came to pass. In the day when the children of Israel ate of the new corn of the land, manna ceased. But you know what the children of Israel did that day? They still went out to look for it. Some of you are holding on to the relationship you should have let go. You need to operate in the gift of goodbye. You are, you are coddling them. They have become idols. A relationship can be an idolatrous relationship because that serves its purpose. What used to be exciting in the past is now irritating. That's an indication. What used to be a bubbling thing is now something you drag yourself to do. It makes that serve its purpose. There are things and people and jobs and places that have served their purpose. You need to cut some of them off. You need to cut some of them back. You are with some people now who are wasting your time. They can't add value. They don't have the capacity to transform your tomorrow. They have no place. There are relationships for a season. There are relationships for a reason. And there are relationships forever. Wisdom should tell you to differentiate the relationship for a season from those that are be forever. It's not all relationship that is forever. You need to be very careful to be selective in order to be effective. Am I helping someone here? This is the reason why people are not fruitful. They hold on. Leave it. It has served its purpose. In Numbers 21, you read from verse 4 to 9. The children of Israel were misbehaving. And God sent serpents among them to bite them. And while the serpent was biting them, God told Moses to make a graven serpent as, as, a, as a kind of uh, symbol. And to lift it up. And anybody, whoever the serpent bites, whenever it bites them and they look up, they were healed. That happened in Numbers 21. 900 years later, in 2 Kings 18, verse 1 to 4, the children of Israel were still carrying around the serpent. It has served its purpose until a king saw the need to destroy it. And when he destroyed it, he called it Nehushtan, a tin of brass. No, that was useless thing. But for 900 years, they carried it around. There are some relationships you are carrying around right now. Some of you, the job you are doing now, you should have left since. If you stay on that job, it will kill you quickly. That job has killed your potentials. Some of you are living in houses you should have left long ago. Many of us don't understand this. You see, the point is, these things are, you see, when you came to this country, yes, it was good. But these five years, these six years, these ten years, these fifteen years, but you still hold on to the job. You say you are a lawyer. What kind of loyalty is that? You should be loyal to the heavenly vision. And the path of the righteous, Proverbs 4.18, is like a shining light. That shineth more and more unto the perfect day. 
living for his glory. What is it that brings him glory? Much fruit. Herein is my father glorified that you bring forth much fruit. But to bring forth much fruit, you should remove the obstacle out of your way. Many times we have obstacles in our way. Isaiah 57, 14. Isaiah 62, 10. He said, gather the stones. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. <laughs> so ministers in our ministry, I called them and said, I said you, have, you have been here long enough. You now know the job more than me. You are going to have to go now. Of course. Because they became counterproductive. When I say go forward, they'll be telling others, why should we go forward? Such relationship, we need to operate in the gift of goodbye. And put somebody there who is hungry. Somebody wants to get the job done. If a church is going to go from glory to glory, and you are going to experience the Father, you bring forth much fruit, but it's going to be at a cost. You are going to have to cut off some and cut. You need to cut back some people's influence in the church at times for the church to grow. Too many things are in your hands. We have to cut it back. Five departments, we give them two. Give me the remaining. We'll give it to someone else. I'm making some people uncomfortable. I'm the first of one cried in the wilderness. You see, when I cry in the wilderness, by the time I go, the wilderness becomes a city. Mm -hmm. Number two, what do you need to cut off and cut back again? You need to cut off and cut back on things and people that refuse to change. You cut off some people and you cut back on things and people that refuse to change. Change is permanent future. There are some people that refuse to change. In the wilderness, when the children of Israel refused to change, what did God do? He cut them, he cut half of them off. He cut them off. Because they, with that mentality, he can't, there is no way he can produce the result he wants. At one time I had a building committee in our church. And we were building, and it was by faith we were building. But the future committee could not see faith the way I saw it. You know what I did? I cut them off. I said the building committee is hereby dissolved. Every time I say God is going to, I mean, when they say, sir, how are we going to, I said, we'll continue next week. They say, how are we going to continue? I said, we'll continue. It's the last work. They say, where will you get the money from? I cut them off. Because you see, they are a cog to the will of my progress. There are some people like that, you need to cut them off because they refuse to change. There is he that is reproved again and again and hardening at his neck. What does the Bible say? They shall be destroyed and not without remedy. If you want to bring forth more truth, there are certain people and certain things that have refused to change that you need to cut off and cut back. 2 Corinthians 3.18 we all with open faces beholding as the mirror, the glory of God, we are changed from one level of glory to another level of glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. What it took you as a church to have 200 people is not what it's going to take you to have 500 people. Some people will have to be cut off. Some people will have to be, you are going to have to cut back. 
certain services will need to be streamlined. The number of hours you spend in certain services will have to change if you are going to bring forth much fruit. In our church, in those days when we started, 9 a.m. service, 3 p.m. in afternoon, that's when we close. And we are losing people. But I could not see it. Every day I wanted to preach three hours. It became necessary for me to cut my message into two. Cut off and cut back. My examples, instead of five, I give one. Cut back on it. Some things you are going to cut back, some things you are going to cut off. When I was developing my ministry in the very beginning, my wife's faith could handle it. At a point in time, I was not telling her everything anymore. Cut back. Because there are some things that even when God shares with you, he does not want you to tell the person that lies in your bosom. The Bible says it. My wife does not like the verse. <laughs> I think it's Micah 7, verse 4 and 5. He says, you don't reveal your secret even to she the light in her bosom. I discovered that whenever I told her everything, everything that was happening, she was not able to grasp it. Her faith had not gone up to that level. So I had to cut back on the amount of information I gave her. Because the amount of information you give somebody is an indication of the level of persuasion you want them to have. If you are going to bring forward, what do you cut back? Things that have refused to change. Things that have refused to change. When Jonah refused to change, what did God do? He cut him off. Jonah, God said, go like this. He went this way. God forced him. And even after God forced him and he delivered the message, when he delivered, he was still unhappy. God said, this one. Then the name of Jonah disappeared. You will see that the book of Jonah never ended properly. It ended informally. You must be the kind of person that does not give God that, that you see you have to change if you come from if you come to america with the mentality of a buddha and you don't cut off and cut back on some relevant things your church will not grow what it takes to grow church here in chicago is not what it takes to grow in the buddha if you bring people here and leave them in the middle of the night 1 a.m at times they will get, they will say, look, we will not come back. There are certain things you need to cut off. I was telling one pastor, I said, there are certain things you need to cut off. Even in Sunday services, they do birthday. Everybody is dancing to the floor one by one. I said, ah! <laughs> Even in your praise and worship, there are some things you are going to cut off and cut back if you want to grow. So those songs that you sing, you're going to have to modernize it, though. Not Coco, Biloco. Don't, don't do that. And when, you see, I tell people the truth. Because if you want to bring forth much fruit, you cut off some things, you cut back on something. In your ministry, in your marriage, in your relationship, you cut off. For example, if you want to grow a marriage, cut off the influence of in-laws. Or else you'll never be married. You just have a domestic arrangement that you are living together. Real marriage is between two people. A third person should only be God. My daughter 
He said, Daddy, you don't even ask me what is happening between me and my husband. I said, that's your problem, not mine. Whatever happens between you and I said, for this cause, a man shall live, not a boy. If a man cannot leave father and mother, he's a boy. And my sister, don't marry a boy. So the second thing you need to cut back, not only things that have served their purpose, but things that refuse to change. You see, as a man, you need to change in your relationship. As a minister, you need to change. As a father, you need to change. Who I was as a father, I cannot afford to be as a grandfather. I have three grandchildren now. I cannot afford to deal with those ones. With, with the way I dealt with my, my children. Because children are different from grandchildren. One of my grandchildren came and told me, he said, Daddy, you have to, you have to cut your hair. Uh, I said, you are telling me that? I said, did I ask for cancer? He said, no, I have to tell you that. I said, thank you. Uh, will my daughter or son say that? So that made me shape part of my brain. And this, this little guy can insult me, so let me shave it. Number three, I told you six things. For you to bring forth more truth, you may need to cut off and cut back on certain people and certain things that will give you problems in the future. This is why many women get into marriages and suffer because they don't want to suffer a broken courtship. They suffer a broken life. Instead of cutting off the rascal, the rascal is a cheat. From when you were cutting, you know he was a cheat. He is a bully. You know he bashes women. Say, don't worry, you will change. Marriage is not a tool of evangelism. Marriage does not make people change. It makes them worse. Say, don't worry, don't worry. She will change. Who told you that? Did the Bible say we all with open faces beholding as we get married for so many years? We'll change from one level. No, 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 no. Cut off and cut back what will give you problem in the future. Gehazi was going to be a problematic prophet. He was already collected honorarium. <laughs> While he was a minister in training. When they brought honorarium for the man of God, the man of God said, no. He went behind. He said, don't worry. He, said, he has enough. Don't worry. Me, I'm a young minister. I will pray for you too. When you see certain things in your ministers, you cut them off or you cut them back. When you see certain things in your workers, you don't allow them access to certain positions or certain opportunities. Anyone who will come in his name, cut them off. You will not carry the microphone again. Till Jesus come. If you are going to be fruitful. Whatever will give you problem in the future. You see, I have been a trainer of men. There are so many young men today who are highly anointed that I train who are no longer in the ministry. Why? I told them to cut back their lust for the opposite sex. I told them. I said, the way you are going, if you don't cut off your eyes, it will give you problem in the future. Matthew 5, 29, 30. Matthew 18, 9, 9. He said, if your eye will make you fail or fall, 
pluck it out. If your hand will make you fall, cut it off. He says it's better to enter into life hot than with all your members you drop into hell together. Cut off and cut back on things and people. Relationship that will give you problems in the future. There's a man of God that I used to be close to, but I had to stop being close to him. Because I discovered that whenever we sit down, we are gossiping. And I said, this is not good. Psalm 101 verse 5, God says, he will cut off those who gossip. Who are thou that judges that another man's servant? To his master, he started to fall it. Romans 44, and God is able to make him stand. That man was introducing gossiping to me as a lifestyle. So you know what I did? I first of all caught him back. I stopped. Whenever he calls, I don't pick. I don't call him again. I just send text. Until the day came, I just deleted his number. I'm tired. Because if you continue with such a person, he will drown you. If you want to be fruitful, you want to have much fruit, you want the power of God to be evident in your life, you have to cut off and cut back on relationship things, people, even jobs that will give you problems in the future. I'll tell you one of our brothers who used to drink alcohol. He was working in Guinness. I told you, I said, hey, this Guinness you are working in to give you problems. Oh, no, I'm okay. I said, <laughs> the last time I saw him, he was so drunk, he did not even know his name. What's your name? My name? I'm telling you. That was all. Yes, yes. But I knew it was going to give him problems in the future. You know who you are. There are certain things you don't play with. You know the kind of person you are. There are certain places you don't go anymore. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. But the sky is still there. You know money is your problem. Don't go and join treasury department. <laughs> cut off and cut back on things that will give you problem in future. That's a relationship that will give you problem in future. Relating continually with that person is pro now there will be nothing but God sees the end from the beginning and God knows how to warn you. God knew that if those generations in the wilderness enter into the promised land with him he will not be able to handle them. So what did he do? He killed them. He killed them. He knew Jonah was going to be a problem in the days of it. He eliminated him. Some relationships are no longer going to, they will get into trouble in the future. There are some habits, there are some fellowships, there are some groups you walk in that will give you problem in the future. So what do you do now? Cut it off or cut it back. That is wisdom. Don't hold on to it. Or else, it will affect your fruitfulness. Your capacity to be fruitful, it will affect it. There are certain fellowship. You don't sit down in the seat of the scornful. You don't stand in the ways of sinners. Because if you do, they will corrupt your soul. God told the listen. God told the children of Israel, say, don't marry from amongst their daughters. Because if you marry, they will turn the heart of your son to follow their God. God warned Solomon. You know, Solomon came in through adultery. That was already a perforation in his character. 
So God warned him. But you know what the man ended up with? 1,000 women. 300. Hey, even the one I have is too much. You end up with 300 wives, 700 concubines. Because you see, a spirit of lust is already in him. And God warned him. He said, don't have anything to do with them. First Kings 11. Say, if you do, they will turn your heart. This church must be known for a place where you don't give sentiments priority over objectivity. Uh, you are a single brother. He said, don't worry. The sister can come and visit me at home now. I'm dead. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to righteousness. But you know, in the days in the university, you are a Casanova. And you're trying to convince me now that, oh, uh-huh. Don't use the nose of a python to scratch your nose. It will create a problem for you. Number four. Am I helping somebody tonight? Can't see. I'm very quiet. He's entry seriously. <laughs> if, you're gonna, if your life is going to bring glory to God, you need to cut off and cut back on good things that are standing in the way of something better. There are good things. Some of you have a good job. But you know what? It's standing in the way of something better. There are better jobs. God has better things for us. The Old Testament was good. But he take it away the first. That he may establish the second. The New Testament is a better testament. Based on better. Good things. The enemy of tomorrow's victory is today's success. You may need to cut off and cut back on good things. Stand in the way of something better. We are together again. How many of you know that song? We are together again. Just praising the Lord. Just praising the Lord. We are together again. We are together again. In one accord. Something good is already happened. Something we are together again. We are together again. Just pray. Many, many times. You have to lose sight of the shore for you to swim in the ocean of plenty. You have to look away from the pain that is temporary for the beauty that God has ahead of you. Romans 8, 18. For we reckon that the sufferings of this present times are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. There is a glory that is going to be revealed. Cut off good in place of something better. Flowers are good. But who know? How many of you know that flowers are not as good as fruit? Let me see. Flower is very good. For you, my sister, you are a slave queen. Flower is very good. But you know what? Marriage is better. Don't keep slaying. Marriage is better. Marriage is honorable. The Bible doesn't say single is honorable. Say marriage is honorable in all the bed on the fire. Homongers and adulterers. God will judge. Go for something better. Go for something, like you say here, better. I love good things, but there are better things. God haven't reserved some better things for us. Hebrews eleven forty. 
So cut off the good in place of something better. It's good the way your hair is. But when you cut it off, it grows luscious new hair. It's good the way things are. But it can be better. It can be better. Many, many times we get stuck. These white churches get stuck. They don't want divine dresser to prune. Shaking at times is good for the church. So that those things that can be shaking, shaking away. I remember in our church, 1989, we had a shaking. When the shaking was over, we were fewer, but we were neater. We were one. Our church was clean. Remove the dross from the silver. A vessel shall come out for the final. At times when some shaking is going on in the church, I love it. Why? It removes dead wood. Dead wood. When the wind is blowing, it blows off the dead wood and the cob cobwebs. It is that something better may come. Number five. Is it number five now? What do I need to cut off and cut back? God wants you to cut off and cut back the things and people that are holding you back. Do you know there are some jobs that are holding you back? Do you know there are some people that are holding you back? My wife used to be like that. She held me back. When I say I go, she said, don't go. Everybody is not going. I say, am I everybody? She said, don't go, don't go. Don't, don't, don't go. I wanted to go into food. I said, don't go, don't go. I wanted to lay hands on the sick. She said, hey, 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 what are you doing now? So you know what I did? I cut it back. Whenever I want to do something, I went there like it. It's when I've done it and the testimony comes and you see now. I said, when did you do that? That's when you were not there. I started cutting that back until I saw that she caught up in faith. Then I could share with her. I could share with her. Because she had not grown up in faith. You know, at times, we spread pearl before swines. It's not everybody that you tell everything to. Cut off on things that are holding you back. Your job may be holding back your ministry. Your friends may be holding back your ministry. Your feelings may be holding back your ministry. The way you feel could be the reason why you have not released yourself. What people say, you are so conscious of it and it's holding you back. Your ears need to be close to the flesh and open to the spirit. If you are going to be fruitful, cut off and cut back. One man said, my God feeling. I said, you are a fool for depending on your dirty gods. I say, you need to depend on the Holy Ghost. As many as are led by the Spirit, not by their gods. Your God, as dirty as your God is, is one that is leading you. Instead of the Spirit of God leading you. As many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, not by their gods. You need to cut back your God feeling. Say, my God feeling says I shouldn't. But the Holy Ghost says, you should. So whose report will we believe? Cut back and cut off things that hold you back. Let me tell you a story here, a very pathetic story. You can read it up. There used to be a woman known as Maria Woodward Etta. This woman has six boys, six children, six boys. Maria Woodworth Etta. 
God called her and said, come, my daughter, I want to use you to preach. He said, I cannot because I have three children. I, mean, I have six children. God said, what do you mean? That's not a problem. Bring all the children. You want to do the ministry with them? He said, no, I don't want to. I have to take care of them. God said, that's not a problem. So one of the ch children died. Let me say this to you. God is a jealous God. Do it yourself, or when he does it, it will be rough. Cut off yourself. Cut it off yourself. If he's going to do it for you, it's going to be rough. He God said, oh, come, come, come. He said, ah, I used to have six children, now I have five. I need to take care of the five. God said, okay. Another child died, remaining four. Cut off and cut back what is holding you. What is holding you? Cut it off. You may need to sell a big house to buy a small one so that you can manage your finance as you go into the ministry. Cut off, cut back what is holding you back. Some people cannot go into ministry because of the amount of money they are going to have to spend on various things they have committed themselves to. Reduce the size of your mouth. Cut off and cut back so that you can bring forth much fruit. This woman, to cut a long story short, five of the sons that only one was left. And that fifth, sixth one was sick. And God said, will you now come? He said, no, I have only one child. He said, okay. So that one became sick. It was when that one was about to die, she now said, okay, sir, I've agreed. Did she need to suffer the loss of five children? Remember that you're created in the days of your youth. Cut off and cut back whatever is holding you down. When God needs you, he said, lose him. There are many of us who need to be loosened. Something is tying you down. You took a loan. It's tying you down. Lose him and let him go. For the Lord had need of him. God says, I wanted to support this building project with so, so, so much. You are giving explanation. To obey is better than sacrifice. To hack in at the fat of rams. In every obedience, there will be sacrifice. Final point. What do I need to do again? Cut off and cut back on things, friendship, relationship, commitment that God have not chosen for you. There are some commitments you have made and relationships you are in that God is not the one who chose it for you. You did it for yourself. You are the one who got into it yourself. There are some commitments I know that God did not put me in it. Psalm 47 verse 4. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob who he loved. Psalm 25 verse 12. He that feared the Lord, him shall God teach in what way to choose. There are some things God did not choose for you. You chose it for yourself. There are some side business you are doing that God did not put in your life. If you are going to be fruitful, you need to cut off and cut back on everything God did not choose for you. The only thing that is worth doing is the will of God. 
Nothing else is what doing but the will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, living a life that will bring glory to God is when you are fruitful. And for you to be fruitful, you need to bring forth not just good fruit, not just fruit, not just abiding fruit, not just timely fruit, but what? Much fruit. And for you to bring forth much fruit, you must subject yourself to being pruned. You must subject yourself to being, to cut off some things and to cut back some things. It is only when you do that that you can bring out a vessel for the finer. How many of you know you can do better than what you are doing? How many of you know you need to do like this? Cut it. I love to cut. Many times I cut budgets in our church. Cut budget. The choir wants to buy a new robe. I said no. Because we want to use the money for robe for outreaches. So pastor, when they come to me and said, we want to buy drinks for after the service. We need money to complete the building. You know, every department in church wants money. Use your blade well. Because all the money you need, you need to be a good steward. You see, the more you manage God's money well, the more he's going to give you. If God knows you are a spendthrift, he will, will hold his money back. Because you are going to waste it. A waster is a brother to a destroyer. So cut off and cut back. There are some friends you are going to look at. You see, I, I was looking at my phone book today. 7,522 names. I cut off about 150. I do that every time. Once every three months. So I don't know whether you have cut off your own now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do it all the time. Why? I don't want anybody taking a place in my life that is already out of service. There are some people's car that has no engine. They're not going anywhere. And I'm going somewhere. I'm pressing up the upward way. New heights I'm gay. New every... Let me say something to you. There are some of you in this church, you need to join the chariot. The speed that with this church is going to move from this fifth anniversary, this fifth convention, you need to join the chariot or you are going to be led by the roadside high and dry. Let me say this. There is nothing you are doing that somebody else cannot do. So join the chariot. Join the chariot. Enter into the bus. The boy is about leaving. And once the doors are slammed, the Bible said God closed the door of the ark. So Noah cannot help anybody. Anybody knocking on I said, please open. Even if Noah have mercy, God has closed the door. He said, and the Lord and God closed the door. Let me say it again. There are some of you here, the church is going to be moving at a pace that you need to gather strength to get on board. Because if you don't, the boss will leave you behind. You will become a storyteller in church. <laughs> I'm telling you, because we are going to bring forth much fruit. Are you listening to me? 
In our programs, many people will be getting saved. In our services, many people will overflow, will overflow. Buy more chairs. Fill the place with chairs. That is, it will build your expectation. You see, many times we don't know how to, God says, make room. You know, in our church, whenever we want new members, we buy more chairs. God said, make room for me, I will fill it. Open your mouth, he said, I will fill it. Buy more chairs. Because they are coming. And when they come, they should not stand. Because you know, there are certain people when they have been in the church for a long time, they become uncles to the senior pastor. Pastor, you should not do that. Now. Why should you do that? Uncle. But we are going up to the high places. We are taking our chances. We are galloping. We are gathering energy. We are moving forward with power. We are progressing with an anointing. The type that we are going to bring forth what? Much fruit. There will not be room enough to contain us. They will come from the north. They will come from the south. They will come from the east. They will come from the west. On Sunday, I will release some dangerous blessings here upon this church and upon your family and upon your business and upon your career. Make sure you show up. Stand on your feet. Let's bless God tonight. Father, I want to thank you for your loving kindness. I want to glorify. Come on, go ahead and thank him. Come on. Go ahead and thank him. Come on. I can't hear you. Pray, pray, pray. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory be to God. Cut off and cut back. Cut off and cut back. Cut off and cut back. You are going to have to cut off and cut back. Cut off and cut back what? Things that have served their purpose. Cut off and cut back what? Things that refuse to change. Friends that refuse to change. People that refuse to change. Condition that refuse. Cut it off. Cut off and cut back what? Whatever is going to give me problem in future. Cut it off. Whatever is going to give me problem in future. Cut it back. Come on. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Cut off and cut back. Come on. Come on. Come on. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it back. There are some relationships hanging by the thread. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. There are good things standing in the way of something better. There are good things. It's a relationship. But something better is matrimony. Yes, it's a relationship. But something better is matrimony. Something permanent. Don't hang on there. Don't hang in there. You don't need it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Every head is bowed. The call I want to give is so important. We need courage in life to cut off and cut back. As I've been speaking, you know there are things you need to cut off. There are things you need to cut back. Come to think about it. Without doing those things, you can't bring forth much fruit. Those things are wasting your energy and distracting your attention. You need to cut off some things and cut some things back. You may be a pastor of a church. You may be a leader in a fellowship. You may just be an individual in a relationship. You may be a businessman. You may be a single person. You may be an employee. 
but you know you need to cut something off you need to cut something but you need the courage to do it if you know you need courage to do that to cut off and to cut back whatever it is people job position whatever it is out of your life I want you to put your hand on your chest God I need courage I know I need to cut off some things I need I know I need to cut back on some things so I ask you for courage give me courage go ahead and tell God say it in your own language don't say it in tongues I know I need to cut off this relationship I need to cut off this commitment that I have made I need to cut back on the time I use with this person in that place Lord grant me mercy anoint me to be able to do such go ahead talk to the Lord talk to the Lord talk to the Lord I need to cut it off tell God give me wisdom teach my hands to want my fingers to fight I want to take a decisive step to cut back and cut off that thing help me Lord I know without you I can't do this but I need your help I need you to teach me I need you to help me as to how I need to go about it because I want to bring forth much fruit I want to I want to be a blessing to my generation I want to be more impactful than I am. Talk to the Lord. Talk, be sincere. Tell him. Because these things, I know what it is. I know that some of these things are not easy to carry out. But we need to carry it out nonetheless. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need to do it nonetheless. Thank you, Lord. Father, we honor you. We give you glory and praise. Thank you, Father. Let me pray with you right now. Father, God, we want to thank you for the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and it's obvious it will not return to you void. It shall accomplish that which you please and prosper in that into which you have sent it. I know the words that have been spoken are strong and powerful and for some people it's a worrisome word. It's, it's a situation they have never been in before. But it's obvious you want those surgical operations to be carried out because without it there can be healing there can be restoration there can be power the way you intend it for them to have it father grant them the courage grant them the strength grant them the unction to be able to execute this thing in a way that will glorify you in a way that will honor you Thank you, Heavenly Father. We worship you in the beauty of holiness. And we glorify you because we know we'll never be the same again. As they take a step, baby steps, towards carrying out their decision, let your glory support them. Let your presence be with them. Let them not make painful mistakes and expensive blunders. Even while they are pruning, may they not prune beyond where they should prune. 
so that you at the end of all things may be glorified. We want to live a life of much fruit that brings glory to your name. So let it be, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.